the time of year when what should bring Christmas joy oftentimes seems to bring Christmas fear or phobias. We could call them Christmas phobias. There's gift phobia. So, you know, like, will I get done my gift shopping in time? So you, you realize that it's next week, right? Ne- next week is the cutoff, you know, for gift giving. So you just got, got two weeks left. That's it. Uh, There's also gift phobia in terms of, like, will the person like what I got for them? Are they going to hate it, hate me as a result? Or am I going to like what I get? You know, we've got a problem going on in our house for the last several years where my wife is getting me stuff, and for this reason or that reason, it's just not not working out, and I end up having to take it back. For example, uh, a couple years ago, uh, she got me a watch, because she knew that I hadn't been wearing a watch for a while because the band broke. So unbeknownst to her, I had bought the band, a replacement band. I just hadn't put it on yet, so it was stuffed in a drawer somewhere. So she buys me this brand new watch that's exactly like the one that I had. And so I am what I like to call practical. Some people call cheap. And so... I'm like, I, well, I don't need two watches, right? I just need to put the band on the one that I already have. And so that's what I did. So Christmas Day, I'm putting the band on to make sure it's going to work. And then I send that back to Amazon so I can buy something else. And that has happened several times where she'll like get me a shirt or a sweater or something like that. And it's just, it's not quite the right size or quite color. I'm just a little bit picky that way. And so she's kind of like at a point where it's like, I don't even know like what to get you for Christmas anymore. So, you know, like gift phobia. There's, you know, shopping phobia, fruitcake phobia, you know, (laughs) tangled Christmas light phobia. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. Um, Hatchimals phobia. You know, I don't know what the deal is with those. I'm kind of scared to bring one of those into our house. Fortunately, our kids are out of that phase. But there's all these phobias. And, And another one that we might call New Year's phobia So thinking into next year, 2017, and after all the glitter and the hustle and the bustle is done from the season, it's kind of like, what what next? What does next year look like? Because life will go on after all the bright lights of Christmas are, are put away. And some people will go into 2017 having lost someone that was close to them, and so they've got to figure out what does life look like now without this person uh, some people will go into 2017 wondering, what, is, what, what do my finances look like? Is everything going to work out that way? There's all of these unknowns and, and sometimes fears of, of those unknowns. And if you came in here this morning carrying any phobias with you, then what I want you to hear this morning is that God wants to replace your fear with joy. So imagine a source of joy that is constant. Imagine a source of joy that doesn't depend on the people or the circumstances around you. I mean, our joy tends to kind of ebb and flow depending on how things are going or how people around us are treating us. Imagine if there was a source of joy for you that never changed, So you could walk through life and face the challenges in your life, face the fears in your life with a smile on your face and with a song in your heart, not because you're in denial of reality, but because you've found a source for joy that doesn't change.
We're going to look at what the source of that joy is this morning. If you would take a Bible and turn to Luke chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible with you, there are some white ones there on your seat. And Luke chapter 2 is on page 949. In these weeks leading up to Christmas, we are looking at some of the things that we value most as human beings, some of the gifts that we value most, and we see them up here on the wall with our our Advent wreath. We see hope and love and today joy. And you may be here for the first time, may have not been in church, may not have much of a background in faith or religion, or maybe you're coming back to that. And, and what I want to say to you is that, you know, what, what many of us have discovered is that there, is, there are sources for, for hope and love and joy that are cheap imitations of what God really wants to offer you. And how you know it's a cheap imitation is if it's temporary and it only lasts for a little while and it fades away. Because God offers us hope and love and joy that doesn't fade, doesn't go away, and we're going to see what the source of that is here this morning as we read in Luke chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 4. This will be familiar to many of us, the story of Jesus' birth. If you've ever watched Charlie Brown Christmas, Linus kind of belts this out in there. It's awesome. Luke chapter 2, verse 4. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. This this story, this, this is so remarkably simple. I mean, like, this is so like not the way I would have written this story. I mean, because you think about this. Think about the fact that Jesus is arguably the most influential person who has ever walked the planet. Okay, We, we measure our calendar by Jesus' birth. He has more followers than any other religious leader, religious or political leader. He, he, was, he, he never traveled more than like 30 miles away from his home, and yet Lots of people, more, than, more people know his name than anyone else on the planet. I mean, you think about the influence that he had, and then you think how simple his entrance into the world was. It's just, it's pretty remarkable. But as we move on and we see the announcement of his arrival, we're going to see a little bit of drama start to, to happen. As, as simple as his entrance was, his announcement is going to be pretty dramatic. So in verse 8, It says, in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great, what? Fear. They were filled with great fear. Why were they filled with fear? Well, it's an ordinary night. They're out there with their sheep. It's dark. Things are going along as usual, and suddenly there's this appearance that they had never seen before. I mean, I think we would be scared too. I mean, there's, there's this angel, and it says, the glory of the Lord shone around them. Anytime in Scripture when the glory of the Lord is manifested, people get scared. They cower, they run away, they're not quite sure what to do with it because it's just overwhelmingly powerful. So they are filled with great 
fear. The Greek word is phobos, phobia, where we get phobia from. And when it says great fear, that's the Greek word mega. So they are filled with mega fear. Just like you and I sometimes are filled with mega fear. But the angel says in verse 10, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great mega joy that will be for all the people. The angel says you don't have to be afraid. You don't, you don't have to be afraid because I'm bringing you good news. Now, we should back away for a moment just even from the, the situation that the shepherds are in that night and think about why there's even bigger reasons for them to be afraid. We should think about the world that Jesus was born into, which was a scary place. I mean, the land of Palestine at that time was under Roman occupation. So the people who lived there had very little freedom. They were heavily taxed because Rome had to find money somewhere to wage all their wars and build all their roads. And so they're taxing these people and they are oppressed under this load, fearful of their future, thinking, I don't know if we're going to be able to make ends meet, fearful of their freedom because Rome could come in and if you violated any of their little laws, I mean, they'll put you away and where are you going to go for justice? And so they're under this cloud of fear. That's the world that Jesus was born into and that's when the angel comes to say, fear not because I'm bringing you good news of great joy that will be to all people. By virtue of the fact that the angel came to shepherds, we know that the message was for all people because shepherds were at the low end of the social ladder. So if it's news for the shepherds, it's news for everybody. I'm bringing you good news, but what kind of good news can turn mega fear into mega joy? What kind of news could turn the shepherd's mega fear or yours and my mega fear into mega joy? What's well, found in verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The good news that turns mega fear into mega joy is that joy is found in Jesus who is the Savior the Christ, and the Lord. So we're going to unpack each one of those titles that the angel gives for, for Jesus so that we can understand why, why should that make us joyful. But, but we need to say before we do that, that the reason why you and I many times find that our joy ebbs and flows and is temporary is because we are seeking joy in the wrong source. We're seeking joy in a circumstance or a person or a situation that is going to change. And the true source of joy, the unchanging source of joy, is Jesus and what he brings to us, what he represents. So let's talk about these titles just, just briefly so that we can understand why we should have mega joy over who Jesus is. So first of all, he's the Savior. Jesus is the Savior. He's the one who saves us. This is, this is a word that speaks to these people who are under Roman oppression. This is a word that speaks to us who are under oppression from outside of us. Things that are too big for us to control. I mean, that's when we need a Savior, is we need to be saved from something that I can't save myself from. 
An, an angel may have been the same angel. An angel came to Joseph before Jesus was born and said, you are to name this child Jesus. Give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. See, the name Jesus itself means Yahweh saves. It's inherent in his name that he is a savior and he is coming to save his people from their sins. So not only does Jesus come to save us from what's outside of us that we can't control and is too big for us and is pressing in us, he comes to save us from what's inside of us that we can't control, that we can't free ourselves from. Many of you may relate to this, but I mean, I've, I've lived long enough to realize that there are things inside of me that I can't change. I can't change on my own. As much as I would like to change them, things that are just ugly and come out to the people that I love the most and make me regret things that I said or did days later, weeks later, years later. There are things inside of me, and I've tried to change them on my own. I've tried to read books. I've tried to go to counseling. I have tried to, you know, even memorize scripture verse. I've tried to do it on my own, but in the end, I realize I can't do this. I need somebody outside of myself. I need Jesus who is able to save me from the sin that's inside of me that separates me from God. Jesus is the Savior. That's, that's good news that brings great joy, is that there is someone who is able, powerful enough to save us from what oppresses us outside and inside. He is the Savior, but he is also the Christ. That, that is the, the Greek word that translates the Hebrew word Messiah. When Jesus is born, at the time he is born, there's this fever pitch of expectation for the Messiah who is to come. He has been prophesied. He's going to come. He's going to change everything. He's going to make the world a better place. And there's this fever pitch of expectation for him. He is, he is the Messiah, which means, that word means anointed one. He is the unique one. There is only one who can fill that spot. There have been false messiahs around the time of Jesus and, and many times since then, but there is only one anointed one who can fill that spot. And the angel says, he's here. He's, he is born this day. He has arrived. He's come. He is the Savior. He is the Christ. And he is the Lord. So he is the authority. He is the ruler. The prophecies of the Messiah who would come said that he would rule with righteousness, with wisdom, with justice. Wouldn't we love to have someone ruling over all things who was just and righteous and merciful and perfect in all that they do? And they said, He's coming, and the angel said, he's here. That's a reason for great joy. He has come. Turn your fear of the future and what our political situation is going to look like, what our world is going to look like. Turn your fear into joy because Jesus has come, and one day he will rule over all things. He is the Savior and the Messiah, the Christ, and the Lord. The, the angel said, he's here. He, he's in the house. Or we could say, he's in the stable. He is the one who turns mega fear into mega joy. Joy is found in Jesus 
the Savior, Christ, and Lord. But there's more to the announcement in verse 12. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the... Let me, let me pause there. Let me just go back to verse 12. You will find a baby. When that, wor- that word find means to intentionally search out. It's not just you'll accidentally discover something. It intentionally search out. We'll talk about that more in a minute. So you will find a baby. Verse 13, suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So if it wasn't scary enough to have one angel appear and the glory of the Lord shine around, now there's a host of angels And we should understand that that word host means it's a military unit, okay? Sometimes when we picture angels and we picture this scene, we we see like paintings of like fluffy naked baby angels, you know, floating over. I mean, that's not what this is talking about. This is a heavenly host. This is a military unit. Grasp the irony of this, that a military unit is coming to announce peace to the world. Why is that? Because peace comes at a cost. Because we have to fight for peace sometimes. And so they're coming saying, we're ready to fight, and you will find this baby lying in a manger who is going to rule, who is going to save us, who is going to set us free, and don't be deceived by his appearance. Don't be deceived because he looks today like a little tiny helpless baby because he's going to grow up and he's going to deliver us and we're ready to stand with him. These angels are saying a heavenly host announcing his arrival. So they said you will find, you will intentionally, if you intentionally search, you will find in verse 15 when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us, and they went with haste, and what? Found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. So the shepherds had a choice to make. I mean, when the angels came and made this announcement, they said, you... Here's the sign to look for. You will find him. If you intentionally search and discover, you'll find this baby lying there, and he is the one who will turn your mega fear into mega joy. He is the Savior, Christ the Lord. They had a choice to make. They're they're standing there in the field when the angels go away, and they have to decide, are we going to go? Or, you know, maybe they're looking at each other going, like, what was that? You know, what just happened? Um... Do we go? Do we stay? I, I don't know. We got all these sheep here. I'm not sure what's going to happen to them if we leave them. I, you know, it's too far. We, it's too cold. We don't want to I mean, whatever. They could have come up with something to just say, we're, we're not going to move. But, or they could have said, we're too, fr- uh, we're too scared. We're too afraid. But instead, they, they went and they searched out and they found. It would take a little bit of effort to find, remember, you know, this is just, he's in a stable somewhere in this town. They had to search him out. And, and so it is with, with you and I. 
I mean, the question is, what will you and I do? What will you do? I mean, you have heard good news, okay? You've heard good news of great joy, that, that there is this tiny baby, Jesus, who has come to be Savior, Christ, and Lord. So you've, you've heard that news, but then you have to decide, what am I going to do with this? Am, am I going to seek him out? Or am I just going to stay put? Because if you stay put where you are, it, it actually requires you to move in order to go and seek him out and find him where he is. Because Jesus came to be the Savior and the Christ and the Lord on a universal scale, but also on a personal scale. And so he came to be your Savior. He came so that you could be free from the things that are outside of you pressing in and the things that are inside of you that are too big for you to do anything about. He came to be your Savior. He came to be your Christ, your Messiah, the, the unique one who fills a role that no one else can fill. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other philosophy. There is no other religious leader. There's no other person. There's no other way to relationship with God other than Jesus. He is the anointed one. He wants to be your anointed one. And he came to be your Lord. He, he came to you so that you would surrender the right that you have to rule your own life. To say, Jesus, I will follow you. We say at, at Grace Point, we want to help more people become fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. And to be a follower means somebody else has to be leading, and I have to surrender my right to lead myself. That's what Jesus is looking for. And so the question for us today is, will we leave where we're at and go search him out, search out this one who has come. How do we do that today? Because he's not in a manger in Bethlehem. We do that as we search him out to find out what do the scriptures say about who he was. We meet him and learn about him through reading the gospels and the stories of Jesus' life to find out what, what did he do when he was here? What did he say? That, that's how we seek him out. And we, we also seek him out by listening to what others have to say about him. Um, you do that as you come and you sit and you, you learn here or in, in your groups at home. Actually, in a, in a few minutes, we're going to see a video from someone who was baptized first service, and he's going to share his story of how he came into relationship with Christ. So we learn about who he is as we hear others share about how they've come to know him. And then when we find him, we come to Jesus and say, Jesus, this is just between me and you. I, want, I, I need you to be my savior because there are things that are too big for me. I need you to be my Christ my Messiah, fill that spot that only you can fill. And I need you to be my Lord so that my life, I can follow you and my life can be what you want it to be, not what I want it to be. I want us to take a few moments and, and pray. 
And, and for some of us, some, some of you may be here this morning and maybe you've never said that to Jesus. Maybe this is a first time for you to say, Jesus, I need you in my life. I want you to be the unchanging source of my joy. Some of you may need to renew that. Some of you may need to renew. Maybe, maybe you have lost your joy because you've been finding your joy in something that is not a consistent source. And so maybe you need to come back to Jesus and renew to say, Jesus, I, I acknowledge I need you to save me. I need you to save me from these things in my life that are too big for me. I need you to fill that spot that only you can fill. I need you to lead me and I will follow you. We're going to pause for a second and just be quiet and be still and then I'll lead us in prayer to close. Father, on behalf of all of us in this room, I'm, I'm sorry that we so often seek after joy in all the wrong places. That we seek after joy and peace and light and life and from sources that can't deliver those things on a consistent basis. Jesus, we acknowledge this morning that you are the unique one and you are the unique source of joy and freedom from fear. And so we come to you, Jesus, to be our Savior or we invite you freshly or for the first time. Jesus, come and deliver me from the things that are too big for me in my life. Jesus, please be my Christ, my anointed one, the, the one that fills this unique role in my life that no one else, and Jesus, please protect that spot for yourself that no one else, that I may never try to fill that spot with anyone else or anything else. And Jesus, I acknowledge you as my Lord. I, I want to take the co-pilot seat or even the back seat and give you the driver's seat of my life so that you can lead me into life. Thank you for your generosity, your graciousness, your kindness, to give all of these gifts that my heart so desires and to give them in such a way that they never need to fade away. We rejoice in you, give thanks for you. In Jesus' name, amen. First service, we had the, the privilege of watching Craig Stranahan be baptized, and so we have a video of that Please celebrate with us as you take...